by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. We are wrapping up Advent. And after the 11 o'clock service on Advent 4, yes. it is borderline, like, like I'm borderline giddy. Yeah. Because <laughs> all the work's in the book, all the, in the books, all the preparation's done. And then it's just a matter of turning our attention to Christmas Eve. It's so it's such a great feeling. And yesterday was a great day in worship. I mean, the music was fantastic. Yes. Um, you know, we've done the children's musical recently, which was wonderful. Your child got her musical in, yeah, or pageant or whatever they call it at Arapahoe yesterday. Yeah. And uh, so now we're just what I guess we're recording this on Monday, so we're is it four days till Christmas Eve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. And I've already got my Christmas Eve sermon done, but you don't. Casual flex. I need to give you a hard time about that one. <laughs> now, in fairness, you pointed something out. I pointed out. Yeah. An important thing. An important point. I gave you a hard time about it in yeah. worship. But then I remembered you're preaching twice in, two, in three days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like. Two I different sh- sermons. I would hope I'd have at least one of them done. <laughs> and I haven't preached in a while. So if you're like, what have you been doing the last like six weeks? <laughs> so it's, it's fair. It's all fair. It's fair. But no, there was good energy. Like I could tell you were more giddy. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So, especially, yeah, it's just a, it's I, I just love it. And then we got to sing "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen," which I love. Yeah. We never get to sing that because it's not in the normal hymnal. The ringers, their piece was so fun. It was. There's something on the table. Yes, and I told Jason after the nine thirty that we need to have a Jason cam. When he's oh conducting, because his face, he's his so animated. Expressions. And yeah. no one gets to see it except the, I'm not even sure the ringers see it because they're, you know, they're paying they're, attention mm, to the yeah. music. But, you know, I get a front row seat for that. So. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and oh. we had a baptism, second week. I running. know. And we got one this Sunday, got too. One coming up this Sunday, yeah. I it's mean, nothing but good. It's so fun. And she did so good with you. Uh, yes. When you gave her back and she started crying with the mom, I was like, Oh, uh, huh. Well, <laughs> and she was holding on to my finger. That's the best. I mean, yeah. she's, I didn't want to turn loose over. Yeah. But grandma gave me a, Charlie, tell her, gave me yeah. a terrific tip because, and Whitney tells me the same thing after every baptism. Like, you got to stop, you got to stop holding them like they're a newborn, like, you know, like on their backs because <laughs> right. they don't like that. They like to sit up and look. It's been so long since we've had, you know, babies in our house. So, um, Charlie said, if you hold her up, she won't fuss. Yeah. Like, oh. And sure enough, she, she grandma was right. Yep. Let's talk about the sermon. Yeah, sermon series. So we're wrapping up our series, Comfort and Joy. And it was a fortuitous contribution by our communications department. Yeah. Comfort and Joy was not on my radar. That was their mm-hmm. idea. And it was a perfect tie-in for the closing illustration for the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which we can get to. But it was about the first chapter of Luke. So all, so Luke's birth narrative, basically. There's only two of, the, two of the four Gospels give us a birth narrative of some variety. And it's always a combination of Matthew and Luke that we... Put together in the nativity sets and everything else. So this year we focused on Luke. No star in Luke, by the way. Yes. Easy to overlook that. Because yes. there's the angel in the sky and all that. It's dark. You'd assume there's a star. That's only in Matthew. But yeah. that's for later. That's for later. 
So you you talked about how you know we do focus on Luke two a lot. That's the like quote unquote exciting part, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But um, you share that Luke one to you is just as beautiful and profound and theological. You know, all of that is just wonderful. And so, could you kind of lay out the timeline of the events happening, all the players involved, until Jesus is born? Do we know the exact date, or what does it look like? Uh, I mean, I think we've got the the basic window. So, it's a long chapter, first of all. It's 80 verses. Yeah. Which is unusually long. Um, And it uh, begins with this really brief introduction for the first four verses, and that's an introduction that's kind of repeated in Acts, which is the second book written by the same author. So it starts in verse 5, and there are two basically equivalent scenes, both of which involve Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. Mm -hmm. So Gabriel announces to Zechariah, who's a priest in the temple, that he and his wife, Elizabeth, who are quote-unquote getting on in years, (laughs) are going to have a baby. And Zechariah is incredulous about that. I don't know why, because that happens a lot in the Bible, right? <laughs> right. But he says, well, how can that be? Because we're both old. And so we're, I think we're going to get to this. Gabriel mm-hmm. gets a little sassy yeah. with him. <laughs> yeah, we've got to cover that. <laughs> and then the next scene is Gabriel appearing to Mary. Mary asks basically the same question. Mm-hmm. She does not get muted <laughs> by Gabriel. It's interesting. We probably should talk about that a little bit. And so basically uh, John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins and in Luke and um, because Elizabeth and Mary are relatives Elizabeth's obviously much older than Mary they're probably cousins something like that Um, and there's all this theology packed into these scenes uh, both the role that John the Baptist will play as the new Elijah and the role obviously that Jesus plays as the Messiah Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like Luke is our best storyteller of among the four gospel authors, there's no, like, bar none. I mean, he's just so good at telling stories. And we're going to spend a lot of time in Luke this coming year, which I'm excited about. Um, and it just, the the destinies of these two babies are going to be intertwined from the beginning. And the Holy Spirit is at work through all of it. And so to have a chance to unpack that for a few weeks before we get to the birth story, I think it's, it's kind of cool. You know, and, and since it's Luke's year in the lectionary, it seemed like the right time to do it. Yeah. And so we kind of had... I know in the text it says um, we didn't read the story of Mary and Elizabeth yesterday, but Mary, when she went to go visit Elizabeth, she stayed with her for like three months. Mm-hmm. We know at that point Elizabeth is already has already been pregnant for some amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you asked about the timeline. Yeah. So um, it's unclear. Um, let's see. So when Gabriel – I'm looking at the first chapter right now. So that Gabriel appears. That's the first thing that happens. So Elizabeth's going to have a baby. So some amount of time, roughly nine months, pass. Mm-hmm. It's it's unclear from the announcement to the time she becomes pregnant. Like what what it does, he doesn't tell us exactly how that long how long that is. The implication is it wasn't very long thereafter. Yeah. And so then the chapter ends with the birth of John the Baptist and John who will become the Baptist and um, his circumcision eight days later. That's the closing scene. So it's about a nine month window ish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, people have been waiting a long time for the Messiah uh-huh. at this point. Yeah, a couple you know, centuries. A couple centuries. <laughs> so and the other thing is um, what's interesting in the first chapter, uh, it, there's several references to what month of the pregnancy we're in. Yeah. 
and it's always Elizabeth's pregnancy that they're mm-hmm. referring to. It's not Mary's. And I think we, have, you know, we assume it's G- Jesus's. Yeah. The, her being pregnant with Jesus, but um, the references are to the timeline is driven by Elizabeth's pregnancy. In yeah. The Which is interesting. It is interesting. Also, Elizabeth and uh, Mary are the two main characters mm-hmm. in the very first chapter yeah. of our finest storyteller's gospel. Yeah. Also subversive. Yes. Yeah, I guess I never noticed how the month of pregnancy is, is Elizabeth. So, um, I mean, it just shows a little bit that John the Baptist is a very important character. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know? Very much so. And he, he – so he's, a, 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 of course, a historically important character. Also, he's important in all the Gospels. But in Luke's Gospel, it's particularly so. He's referred to several times. And, um, uh, I mean, there's this clear familial connection mm-hmm. to Jesus in, yeah. in Luke. So yeah, you, so sorry. So in in Luke, so one twenty six is what I was looking for. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. That's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth, yeah. yeah. So then, when Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, she stays there for three months. Then she goes. Then Elizabeth has John the Baptist, and Makes then sense. then the, the story uh, okay. that we told yesterday happens. Yeah. So you've kind of alluded to this, but why is it so important to read Luke one? Before Luke 2. <laughs> in Luke 2, the first people to get the the message of the God, of, of his birth are the shepherds, mm-hmm. right? And the shepherds were on the edge of society. So we don't really know that as first century, as 21st century Americans necessarily, right? Well, I mean, we think of, you know, the shepherds are the the gentle folk out in the field just yeah. watching their flock. And that, yep. they're probably ex-cons and a bunch of ne'er-do-wells who couldn't otherwise get a job. Correct. <laughs> so uh, that the fact that they are the first ones to receive the news um, is made more meaningful, in my opinion, if you've read the Magnificat. Because Mary has said that this child is destined for the rising and falling of many in society, that the, the humble shall be exalted, the exalted, the proud should be made low. Um, and so, of course, then God is going to give this news first to the shepherds. It's, we can get there, even if we don't read chapter one, but it's especially, it's especially theologically impactful um, if we've read it, if yeah. we know the context, right? Yeah. No, I think that's important because we, I mean, Luke 2 obviously should be read and celebrated but yeah, reading Luke one, it just—I don't know. There's just so much more. <laughs> and especially so, what we read yesterday, Zechariah's songs called the, the Benedictus, the Canticle of Zechariah, or the Prophecy of Zechariah, is called the Benedictus based on the opening words: "Blessed be." Let's see, how's my translation? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. So, right before the birth story, <laughs> we get this reminder that Israel's been waiting for centuries for mm-hmm. this. And so it's this emotional and theological and spiritual buildup to the moment when the angel says, uh, "Yep, I do this every time. Every time, <laughs> good news of great joy. I have, no, I got. I have. I brought good news of great joy for to you. This day is born in the city of David a savior. Yeah. To you, lowly shepherds, this thing that we've been waiting for for centuries has happened." You yeah. clowns who can't get another job, <laughs> right? You ex-cons who are, who are in the field because nobody else will hire you. Uh-huh. Even you get the good news. Actually, mm-hmm. you get it first. 
yeah. that the Messiah has come. Like, oh, God, the theological impact of that is so, it's just so deep and so rich. And, um, like, the familiarity of the story leads us sometimes to miss its, uh, just how poignant it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's do talk about Gabriel <laughs> and his little sass at you. <laughs> Can you read how you interpret how Gabriel responds to Zachariah? Because I thought it was quite entertaining. Uh, this is... <laughs> yeah, sure. So, okay. So Zechariah uh, gets this message that um, he and his wife are going to have a son who's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. I think we're going to talk about Elijah a little bit more. <clears throat> Zechariah's like, well, how can that be? She's old. I'm old. Like, what are you talking about? I clearly hadn't read Genesis lately, right? <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and then here's how it says, verse 19 and 20. Not part of our reading yesterday, but I just, I like this part of the reading. So the angel replied, I am Gabriel. Like, <laughs> Do you know who I am? Child, please. <laughs> I am Gabriel. I, and then he said, it goes on. I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> and you're going to question this. I, I just literally received the news from God to come to tell you. Mm-hmm. And you are not going to believe it. You work, you're a priest in the temple. How can you not understand that this is the way God works? So, uh, any, oh, that's not actually what he says. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. I love it. Gabriel is, he is bringing the heat yeah, or the smoke apparently as kids are saying these days. <laughs> okay. No, in this case, Gabriel's just mad. Yeah. He doesn't get mad at Mary. Yeah. And I, I think he doesn't get mad at Mary because... It's okay that Mary doesn't know any better. I mean, Zechariah. She, she does it, ask a question. She asks the same question. How can this be since I'm with, uh, let's see. Let's, I bet I can find it. Um, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Logical question. Yeah. I mean, Zechariah is saying, how can this be? We're old. Mm-hmm. But Mary is a child, right? Yeah. Or barely, almost a child. She should, I mean, she wouldn't necessarily know any better. Right. Zechariah, on the other hand, is in the business. Yeah. He's supposed to know. He is a steward of the tradition. He's supposed to know that God can make old people become pregnant whenever God wants right. to. Because God's done it a lot. Mm-hmm. And he also should know when he sees Gabriel in the temple. Right. Like, I haven't seen you around here. Are you new? <laughs> can you go ahead and fill out this Some, first visitor card? <laughs> something should have given it away. I don't know. We don't know if there's wings and all that. But right. I would think that he would know this is some kind of messenger from God. Right. Maybe just feel something a little bit different from that presence there. <laughs> right. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this story throws some some stones at people that are pastors or priests that don't understand things. I'm like, ooh, that hits a little close to home. <laughs> like God's like, Reagan, I, I sent you a message. You should get this. Hey, there's plenty like that. The Magnificat, same way. Like. <sighs> So it's a message of warning to anybody with power. And while it may feel like we don't have a ton of power sometimes Mm -hmm. as pastors, we certainly do authority anyway. And uh, so it's a warning to stay right sized. Yeah. Stay humble. Mm -hmm. But I kind of, you know, I kind of identify Zachariah with not getting things the first time and being like, oh, and then someone else brings the message. I'm like, oh, oh, you were serious. Okay. (laughs) Going to write this one down. So, yeah, I'm like, poor Zachariah, I feel for you. Um, and then did you notice the subtle misogyny in the – so the baby's born. They bring him to the temple for circumcision, which is a, you know, a, a religious yes. rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, 
apparently back I don't, I don't I'm not an expert on Jewish custom, but from the text, it seems like that's when the name is given. Yeah, that's when the name is given. Circumcision and name is given. Yeah. And so uh, everybody assumes he's going to be named Zechariah. Mama says, no, no, he's going to be named John. And they're like, uh, well, what does his dad say? <laughs> <laughs> like, I said John. I birthed him. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Your ears are clogged. I, I said John. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then... <laughs> it's awesome because Zechariah says basically says, do what his mama told you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I want to talk about this Elijah mm-hmm. part because I learned some things in your sermon. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the importance of Elijah and those interesting trivia facts about Elijah. Yeah. So Elijah is a huge character mm-hmm. in Jewish tradition to this day. I mean, it's not like it was a, just a New Testament era thing. So Elijah uh, was, I think it's safe to say, the first of the great prophets as we think of prophets. Moses is referred to as a prophet, but we, he's kind of in his own category. Yeah. So uh, Elijah was, eight, was a 9th century B.C. prophet, um, and his, he did not die, according to Scripture. He was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And then Elisha, he of balding mm-hmm. fame... Yes. Within the story, we're, troubling story we're going to read in January. Yeah, that's mine. That's I can't tease. wait. Is that your week? Yeah, that's my week. Oh, in modern? I think in modern, yeah. That's fun. I know. Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Elisha's standing there, and Elijah gets ascended into he- ascends into heaven without dying. And so there comes to be all of this. Um, I'm going to use the word legend, but I don't mean that it's fictional. Like, there's all of this... Uh, kind of all these assumptions, theological assumptions that are made about Elijah based on the way he uh, exited. <laughs> exited. I know you're, I can see your head like, what do I say? Exited. There you go. He didn't die. He didn't die. <clears throat> and in the next, to, so the next to last verse of Malachi, the last book of the, of the Old Testament, God says, I will send the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Like he's the, um, he will usher in judgment day. So, what ends up happening is um, like there's, you know, different, it's just like Christianity, different strains of Judaism, different, different schools of thought, mm-hmm. religious thought, interpret things in a different way. Um, and some of those are major, some of those are minor. But the, there comes to be this messianic expectation in the second century BC. Uh, so after most of the Old Testament was written, but there are some like later editorial editions in a couple books that, uh, that the Messiah is going to return and deliver God's people. And they was typically thought to be a, an earthly Messiah mm-hmm. to, to kick out the Romans or the Greeks or whoever was in charge at the time. <clears throat> and that Elijah would come back first to be the prophet of this Messiah. The hype man. <laughs> the hype man. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Okay. That's good. Yes. That's a, that's a modern corollary. There you go. So when, Gabriel announces to Zechariah that your son is going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. I mean, Zechariah might have missed the boat on the pregnancy thing, but he knows exactly what that means. Right. Um, and so he's got all of this, uh, like that whole, the whole scripture that we read yesterday is just, is just, I mean, I'm going to use the, the term unintentionally, ironically, I think, 
pregnant, like pregnant with meaning Mm -hmm. about who this child's going to be and what he's going to do. Now, it's not clear that Zechariah understood that Jesus was going to be the Messiah because it's we, we don't see that he's privy to those conversations yeah. that Elizabeth and Mary have had, although maybe. Um, but he clearly knows that something special is destined for this child. Mm-hmm. And in, in uh, by the first century, uh, like by this time, historically, uh, at circumcisions, at that religious ceremony, an empty empty chair was typically placed for Elijah. And so the story that we read is at John's circumcision Mm -hmm. where there's this empty chair waiting for the next Elijah. And Zechariah knows that his son is destined for that chair. I mean, that's really, really, really fantastic storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many things I love about Luke. There's so many things that are unique to Luke. And this is one of those, those things. I mean, um, really giving us a full picture of what John the Baptist meant. Yeah. So I didn't know the empty chair thing. Yeah. But the Passover thing you knew. I don't know if I actually knew the Passover thing. So in my, at Arapahoe, okay. uh, every time Jack did communion, every time Jack did communion, he said Jesus took, Jesus was at the Seder meal with his disciples and he took the Elijah cup. Mm. Every week, every, every month he would say that. Okay. So I knew that before I went to seminary, but. Um, at the Passover meal, there's an empty chair set for Elijah, and there's a, a, a place setting set for him, including a cup of wine, <laughs> just in case he comes back that night. Okay. You don't, you know, you don't want Elijah to go hungry or thirsty before right. he gets about his business. So, in the like famous painting of the Last Supper, is there an empty chair? They didn't do their research. I, guess. I don't think there is. <clears throat> Michelangelo, <sighs> or a hack. Come on, do your research. He's <laughs> <laughs> not that talented. Um, Wasn't that Michelangelo? Or was it Da Vinci? It was Da Vinci. <clears throat> that was one of those Italian guys. And now I'm questioning Italian myself. guys. I took um, an art history class. It was 8 in the morning. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time So do modern Jews, again, there's different beliefs. as right. you. So do they do they think Elijah is still set to return? Or Yeah, or I mean, I know? think, um, I mean, I hate to speak for uh, tradition that I don't, yeah, I'm not no, expert in, but... I would say that, uh, you know, Orthodox Jews have a different view than um, kind of cultural Jews or whatever. Okay. Or, uh, what's the word? Um, there's Reformed Jews and Orthodox Jews and Hasidic Jews. and Yeah. Um, I mean, there's – and then the more kind of – like there is a, a branch of Judaism that tends yeah. to be more secular and cultural yeah. than religious. But, so, I, but, I, but I do think – like when I went – the, the Seder meals that I've gone to, there has been a place set for Elijah. Okay. The Seder meal is the Passover meal. Now I'm going to, I, maybe I should know this. (laughs) Probably should. Obviously like, um, obviously Jews acknowledge that Jesus was like alive Mm -hmm. and all of that. Do they uplift John the Baptist much? Um, that's a good. Because he would have been Jewish. He would have been Jewish. Right. right? But I don't think he plays a role in their tradition. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there was, baptism was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You state that Zachariah knew how important his son would be with the Elijah comparison. And so do you feel bad that he's mute or are you like? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think that I, I will answer that no because of the beauty of what he says when he finds like, He had okay. nine months to think about it, yeah. what he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And um, those nine months were well used, yeah, <laughs> well spent based on what he says okay. in the Benedictus. Okay. 
Um, and we're going to get back to like, this, if there's a certain line that he says that mm-hmm. you really like. But um, so in your sermon, I love when you said, in every era, there are those in need of a message of hope. I think that's important for us to know because, uh, you know, every era does have difficulties. And mm-hmm. obviously the last couple of years have been really hard. And I, I don't really like the comparison of like, oh, you have no idea how hard it was back then. It's really hard, you know, or whatever. Um, but I think it's true that we all need hope. We all need this message of, of Christ. And so did you want to expand upon that that particular line? <clears throat> yeah. So this is the – so there's – well, like when we were in seminary, the, when we were talking in the Bible classes. So the first step is always to understand what what a text meant in its own context, mm-hmm. right, for its own time. And uh, in that case, I mean, in that sense, then all the messianic expectation stuff, all the oppression and uh, deliverance of the marginalized, like in a very economic and socioeconomic and political and religious way. All of that is particularly relevant. But then, I mean, the whole point of the work of the Spirit in our reading of Scripture is that we interpret it in light of our own experience and need. And I think that, um, like, I I like, I think part of the preacher's work is to is to teach about the, the original context. But it's the professor's work to leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> right? It's the preacher's work then to make that come alive for, for us. I mean, because when all is said and done, the Elijah stuff doesn't really matter. It's interesting to know, and mm-hmm. it's important to understand the gravity of what um, Zechariah was trying to say. But ultimately for us, um, we have a different tradition. And so, like, you know... There are lots of things that people can be like. It's such a, such a balancing act. So, I, like, I was sitting in uh, worship so th- three times yesterday. I heard Mike's Mike Flynn's prayers of the people, and he lifted up um, those who are suffering violence. How, that we live in a violent world, and um, I got to thinking, looking back on the headlines of last week. So there was this school shooting scare on Friday. There was this uh, you know fear that TikTok. Uh, was like encouraging people to go on school rampages. Mm-hmm. And honestly, honest to God, it crossed my mind not to send my kids. Mm-hmm. There are plenty who didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but by Sunday, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I, I don't know how many people we had in worship yesterday, 700 or so across the services. Who knows how many more online? I haven't looked at the numbers yet. Mm-hmm. But, some number, some not insignificant number of those folks are not in the Buddy the Elf happy place that I tend to be this time of year. Yeah. And so it's it's a balancing act of um, like acknowledging where everyone is mm-hmm. emotionally and theologically and then having uh, like proclaiming the gospel in a way that speaks to everybody. And I think, you know, like I looked out yesterday, uh, and I know for a fact there are people who are struggling with really serious di- medical diagnoses, or, or people who have who lost people in this past year, mm-hmm. uh, who are still like who, for whom that grief is very fresh. Yeah, people who have died of COVID, people who know people who have died of COVID. Um, the economic uncertainty is not as big a is not as big a, a concern for our particular congregation, but it's there for some. Um, you know, it's. Wherever you are in need of a message of hope, this story certainly delivers it, mm-hmm. in my opinion. 
I yeah. mean, there's a lot of historical stuff about, you know, he raised up a savior to throw off the oppressor and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being dismissive of that, but that's, that's kind of historically conditioned. But that last section that we read at the top of the podcast, um, for those who, um, how do we say it, who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, mm-hmm. that's very easy to make a metaphor out of that. Right, because all of us have been there at some point or another for various reasons, and plenty of people are there right now. And so, um, the what the brilliance of Luke is that the the uh, the answer to that is coming in the next chapter, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to read it on Friday. Mm-hmm. So good, God, my God, it's so good. Yeah. So yeah, I really appreciate it because um, you are like you're your excitement and your enthusiasm is like infectious, mm-hmm. like for the Christmas season. But I really loved how you made that a point. I mean, you, you bring up a couple characters from some movies acknowledging that people are in, some people are feeling despair or feeling hurt and all of that. Um, so I appreciate that because it's so easy. Like, Oh, just get over it. Like, just be happy. Like be joyful. And you're like, no, no. Like, Right. There's real things going on. Right, right. A hundred percent. And it's always the balancing act. Always. Mm-hmm. That's my own personal struggle this time of year, to be honest with you, as a preacher, is to to make sure that I am not just so caught up in the enthusiasm of the of the season that I forget. Um, I mean, bad stuff's happened to me lots of Christmases. Yeah. Personally, like in my personal life. Um, but like the theology of the season is just so overwhelmingly hopeful. Mm-hmm. that um, I think there's, I think it can speak, it, it, I think it does speak to everyone if we're listening yeah, properly. Yeah, so you bring up um, old Buddy the Elf and then Old Man Marley from Home Alone. Yeah, did you know his name was Marley? I did because there's a part, <laughs> my brother and I used to rewind all the time when Kevin is first in Buzz's room and they hear him and he goes, check it out, Old Man Marley. And like the way his neck, he's really funny in it. Yeah. And my brother and I used to rewind for the kids, VHS, you'd have to rewind it, and we'd rewind it over and over again and laugh hysterically. I don't know why he does like Buzz. Yeah, makes he this, like does this weird thing with his yeah, neck. Yeah, where like, he's like, "Check it out, old I, man Marley." And he goes, exa- "Yeah, yeah, I know exactly I don't know why what you're it's talking so about." Funny. Like, he kind of cranes his neck yes. out in a weird way. Yeah, and, and lumbers over to the window. I know. It was the '90s. We didn't have a lot going on, I guess. So we thought that was funny. Um, it's, a, it's a really funny movie. It is funny, and I will say at the end. When old man, when he hugs oh, his granddaughter, yes. Oh my gosh! No, and then he looks at Kevin. Yes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I lose so, it. Oh my god! It's so good. And, and that guy's name, that actor's name is, it's a, it's a unique name. Okay. It's Roberts, plural. Okay. Blossom, and he's an old character actor. Okay. But you can tell how great of an actor he is because the way he hugs his granddaughter, and like, and then waves with one hand. Everything that he communicates to Kevin oh. in that scene, yeah, moves me to tears every single time. Yeah, and, and because and that's a perfect example. Honestly, it's a silly movie. It's slapstick and everything else, but it's that is that is in church one human being encouraging another mm-hmm. while they're singing "Oh Holy Night" in the background. By the way, yeah, I mean it's so good. It's so good. There's uh, my boys. We watched it on Saturday. Actually, uh, we have to split. Whitney's <laughs> gonna get mad at me for saying this. We have to split movies into two sittings because okay. she falls asleep. <laughs> It's so, like a mom thing. It's fine. We we get tired. We have a really sleep. comfortable couch in the yeah. game room. So uh, we watched the second half on Saturday. 
And the boy said, Dad, you should totally do a sermon series on the theology of Home Alone. That, that's, that's how my children speak. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. But you focused on George Bailey from yeah. It's Wonderful Life, which you say is your all-time yeah, favorite, all-time movie. favorite movie. Yeah. And why is that? And how is George redeemed, or how does he find hope? So uh, I was aware of It's a Wonderful Life before college. Like the, the uh, high school that I went to did – there's um, – I don't know if you – remember this from, I think it's from the seventies. So you wouldn't remember it unless it was on rerun, but, um, the actress who is in Superman and Raiders of the Lost Ark one, what's her? Okay. I don't know her name, but I can see her face. The dark haired. Yes. I can't remember her name. Karen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have my phone in front of me. I look it up. Anyway, she did a remake of It's a Wonderful Life where she's the female lead, where she's the lead. Oh, okay. And so they made that, um, they made a play version of that. And when I was in high school, uh, they, we did it. We did that, that Christmas play and my best friend's girlfriend was the lead. And so I was familiar with the story, but I didn't watch it until I was in college. Karen Allen. Karen Allen. Thank you. Um, not bad. Trivia just off the top of my head. Mm-mm. It was Karen no, Allen. it's pretty good. I was going to say Karen Armstrong, but I knew that word. That's pretty good. Um, Pretty sure she dated Steven Spielberg, by the way. Mm. Uh, anywho, <laughs> so I I discovered it's uh, it's a wonderful life in college, and it was my go to whenever I had to study late. And I was um, when I was up late studying, I would kind of to stay awake. I would watch that in the background or take breaks and watch it. And I just became entirely infatuated with the movie. I love Jimmy Stewart. I think he's a terrific actor. And the story is that. Um, like no man is a is a fail no person's a failure who has friends and and like there's just such great theology and I did a sermon series one admin on on okay. uh, it's a wonderful life I did George Bailey and Clarence and um, I can't remember the other character off the top of my head um but I love it because um well like cinematically it's a great movie The Shadows don't ever watch it in color ever. Okay. The shadows are incredible. The, the Jimmy Stewart is perfect in it. His own, um, story is compelling. So he, he filmed that after he got back from world war two, he, he left Hollywood to become a pilot in world war two and was certainly suffering from PTSD, even though we didn't call it that back then. And there are scenes in that movie where you can see like he, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to be acting all that much. <laughs> you okay. know what I mean? Like he, it seems real. Um, but the whole notion of uh, people, like, he gets so low. The point I made in the sermon is that he's at the point of despair. Like, he's considering killing himself. And um, the only solution to that, theologically speaking, the only solution to that. Now, if people have mental health challenges, by all means, see a counselor, see a psychiatrist. Yeah. So, I'm, like, that's a disclaimer. But theologically speaking, the solution to despair is hope. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only solution to despair is hope. And um, what the angel Clarence gives him is hope. Mm-hmm. Like God sends an angel to help him out of this low, low moment in his life. It's just so good. Now, um, I watched it again last year. <laughs> the family finally watched it with me. And um, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's the best movie I've ever seen, but it's definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. No, it's a really good movie. Okay. What did the boys think? Um. Well, so they they get it. I mean, they get it why mm-hmm. why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But the 
the pacing's kind of slow. Oh, Mr. Potter, that was the other character. Mm-hmm. Ha. Mm-hmm. Also brilliantly acted, by mm-hmm. the way. By a guy who's not really like that. And that he's related to, um, you know what his last name is? Uh, little girl from Poltergeist. Oh, Carrie. Drew Barrymore. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lionel Barrymore. So Gosh, he's like her grandfather or something like that. So. I always forget that. Okay. Anywho, great movie. Um, I watch it every year. Usually solo. Because <laughs> it's black and white. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, okay. Um, By the way, Bert and Ernie got their names. Sesame Street, Bert and Ernie got, mess- got their names from characters in this one. Oh, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. The cop and the cab driver. That's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, Bert. It's dirt and dirt. That's what my son Jude calls them. Dirt and who? He's like dirt and dirt. I'm like, no, it's <laughs> it's whatever. He's trying. <laughs> dirt no, and dirt. Melmo. 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 Big Bird's like big dirt. <laughs> He's almost there. He's getting there. He's getting there. Um, okay. So, is there any part from um the passage of when Zachary has his when he can speak that are really emotional for you or inspire you. Do you have a favorite part? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, so we had, um, senior staff over at our, our place for my, at my house yeah. <clears throat> for a meeting last Tuesday. And we just read the Christmas story, but we read Luke two, one to 20. Um, and it's just emotional every time. Like, I honestly, I know you're talking about the Benedictus, but yeah. it's the same way. I mean, there's there are certain passages of Scripture, the prologue of John. I mean, all, all this stuff about the, like, when God became one of us, all mm-hmm. the events leading up to that are just, it's just, I don't know, just deeply emotional. So, um, you know, it starts out, it's it's a long path. It's a long-ish song, six, uh, verses 68 to 79. But I think... Um, Probably the last two verses that we read at the start, mm-hmm. like the whole thing, by the tender mercy of our God. That's a great phrase, by the mm-hmm. tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high shall break upon us. I, I always, I love the light and dark imagery. I just, it's meaningful to me, always has been. The Gospel of John, prologue has that too. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. I mean, because that's what, we're all there from time to time and that's what we all need. Yeah. To guide our feet into the way of peace, so good. That's good. But the turn, though, is when he when he's right, a couple of verses before that. So he makes this kind of prophecy that you would, you know, it's like any other prophecy, and I mean, it's good, but you know, very very consistent with Old Testament scripture. So blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He's looked favorably on His people and redeemed them. He's raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of His servant David. I mean, this is all standard stuff, good stuff. But then he looks at his son, mm. and he says. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Mm. It's so it's so poignant because he's been waiting for a child his whole life. And he knows that uh, God has chosen this particular child to do a very difficult thing. So, like, there, it's got to be layers of emotion for Zechariah, yeah. right? Uh, pride and gratitude and excitement and fear and trembling. And yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. I don't think I read that one that part as much as I do probably Mary's response or something you know mm-hmm. I think it does get kind of overlooked so it's good I need stuff. To add it to my list okay you wrap up your sermon talking about God Rusty Mary Gentleman your favorite song and one of my favorites one of your favorites oh Holy Night yes it's, it's your favorite yeah. um 
Tell us what you found out about the song and how long have you known this background information on it? Uh, so it was probably 10 years ago. Okay. And I was, I, think I was getting ready for a sermon series in Henrietta. And we did a, um, an Advent series on Christmas carols. I mean, that's kind of standard fare, you know. And um, so I've got a couple of different books. I won't surprise you about the history of Christmas carols. And I read this one. Um, and I, I, just I was totally captivated by this story. So... Um, the, the point is that language changes over time. And so when it was first written in the 15th century, so a long time ago, mm-hmm. it was written in the vernacular because church music kind of stunk, right? <laughs> it was somber and dark and it was in Latin. No, I spoke Latin. Right. And so the commoners wrote this song in English and it became really, really popular, uh, to the extent, and this has happened a few times in the history of the church where the church couldn't keep out something that was popular among the people. Right. Uh, there's probably a story there about Christmas. In fact. Yeah. So, um, it, it was published in the 19th century, but the, the language had changed over time. So Mary in the 15th century, M E R R Y didn't mean happy. It meant mighty. So Robin Hood's merry men are not Robin Hood's band of happy fellows. It's Robin Hood's mighty warriors for, you know, the poor. And rest meant, didn't mean to take a break. It meant to, uh, to make or keep. And so what God rest ye merry actually means, if we were to translate it in the modern vernacular, God make you mighty or God keep you mighty. God give you strength. God keep you strong. And Theologically speaking, what we're saying is that's what God does when God becomes one of us. It's great. And the comma has to be in the right place <laughs> because it's not uh, God tells you to take a break, you happy fellows. Yeah. Right? It's not God rest you, comma, merry gentlemen. It's God keep you strong or merry, comma, gentlemen. And of course, we should expand that to be men and women. Yeah. It's that's fantastic. Good. Yeah. And it's a great song. It is. Now, I can't decide if it's great in spite of or because of the fact that Satan makes an appearance in verse one, <laughs> right? I mean, it's kind yeah. of, that's, uh, there's a part of me that um, I kind of love that, that that part of the of our Orthodox tradition makes it into this really upbeat song. Because that's the other thing about the song. It was written to be like, like it's not, it's not a dirge. It's upbeat and it's, it, yeah. they can even dance to it. Yeah. So you're ta- you're dancing you're dancing about God whooping Satan, you know? I mean, that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Saying that verse real loud. Um, you know who's got a great version of it? Bare naked ladies. Really? Uh, yeah. And they they did it with Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, I They're do know Canadians. that one. Yes. And it's a mashup of God Rest You Mary and uh uh Oh Star Wonder Star We Three Kings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good. Um Okay. Any last comments on this sermon or series overall? No, I really haven't have enjoyed the series. I, we, we haven't taken a deep dive on this kind of stuff in a while, um, and I, I think it's it adds to the enrichment of the season. I think the music's been awesome all season from all the different ages in our church. Uh, all the poinsettias are there yep. now, and it's ready to go for for Christmas Eve. Um, I just yay for Luke. Yeah, and I just really enjoyed the comfort and joy because last year was such a beating. Yeah, 
and to come into this year and like that and just the words comfort and joy be constantly yeah. talked about. It was, it was just balm to my soul. I, I don't know. totally like, it agree good. with that. So once again, shout out to our communications, communications department. Yeah. And it was the Holy spirit at work because it was mm-hmm. the perfect uh, closing illustration. I thought for the, for the series. It's awesome. All right, you guys, let's remind you of the schedule for the mm-hmm. coming couple of days. <laughs> coming few days so christmas eve is friday yes, friday. friday is so <laughs> exciting we have five different services all throughout the day all of them will have the candlelight mm-hmm. and silent night mm-hmm. so whichever one you show up to you'll have that uh tradition but 11 a.m is modern worship in underwood hall mm-hmm. stephanie reed meyer mm-hmm. preaching 4 p.m is our family service but that's really kind of geared towards younger kids meredith's going to lead that i'm going to assist her 6.30 p.m., I'll be preaching. Uh, it's orchestra and choir. Mm-hmm. Reagan will be there with me. Reagan's preaching at 9, and that is communion. That's our first communion service of the day. And then 11 p.m. is our youth choir traditional service sanctuary with communion. So five options. You can come to all five. You're welcome mm-hmm. to come to all five. You're welcome to pick the one that works the best for you. Uh, and then on the 26th, so that's the Sunday after uh, Christmas, the last Sunday of 2021, mm-hmm. kind of crazy. We are doing a modified schedule because, uh, let's face it, one service <laughs> in the sanctuary is probably going to be enough to hold everybody who's going to yeah, be there. Yeah. And we tired. We tired. Uh, and, yes, <laughs> now Reagan is preaching. I am. Mm-hmm. So you will get an excellent sermon, and uh, the ch- church will still be decorated. We'll be singing great music. So it's absolutely worth coming to. I hope you'll be there if you're in town. That's going to be 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. 10 a.m. only. 10 a.m. only in the sanctuary. I'll send you all a text message on Saturday to remind you. And then we also have 11 a.m. modern. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then we're going to take off next week. Yep. Uh, The church office is closed. We're all going to be – are y'all traveling? Yes. I'll be in Kansas. You're going to Kansas. Okay, awesome. New Braunfels. Okay, and you're going to – that's great. Mm -hmm. We're actually staying in town, which I'm kind of looking forward to just hanging out here. Uh, But not in the office. And so we'll be back in two weeks. With an episode, another episode off script, and the first episode of 2022 is going to be talking about Christmas Eve, and it'll still be in the 12 days of Christmas, so it'll be a, a wrap up of uh, best season of the year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or as my son reminded me at children's time, don't you mean the second best day? <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I, t- I said it was the greatest story ever told, and he's like, uh, "Don't you mean second best after Easter, Dad? Don't you said?" Specifically said Easter's most... Okay, fair enough. Zing, zing. Yeah, I told him and the bishop would be proud of him for bringing it up. Yep. All right. Well, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. We hope we see you on Christmas Eve. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Offscript. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.